Good morning, church. It's great to be together. I'm Scott Sweeney from the Desert Cities Church. Big shout out to Rancho and Riverside. We're great to, great to be able to worship with all of you again. And I'm excited to continue our Rooted series as we continue in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 13 today. And the title of my message is Rooted in Christ. And that's the theme of our series. But in this chapter, it talks about being rooted in Christ's love and strong in our faith and full of the spirit. And just thinking about that title, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination today. I'm going to ask you to think about spiritual things. I know that you may be a very practical person, but today in this chapter, as God finishes out, as Paul finishes out this theology on God, you're going to have to use your spiritual self. Next week, we're going to switch into the practicals and how to apply this to life. But today, I want you to put on your spiritual self. If you're anything like me, that's not always easy to do. It's much easier to have a problem, tackle the problem, come up with the plan, put steps together and have a goal. And when my daughter, she's in, in school, she calls me up and I surely can't do all the work that she's doing, but I can help her come up with a plan. And we put our heads together and come up with how many, how much time we have and how much has to be done and come up with a plan and, and feel good about it. But that, that's not Christianity. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we have a problem. We don't know what to do. We go to God. We go to others. We, we pray about it and we have to come up with a plan. There's, there's an urgency there. But today, I pray that you can use your spiritual imagination and even think about what does it mean to be rooted in Christ, that we're connected with him, that that our roots are deep so that when the storm comes, that we we don't move, that, that they get what they need, they get the nutrients so that we bear fruit and they're able to stand the test of time. But all of that, it takes imagination. You know, we can't see Jesus. Our faith can be kind of ethereal at times. And yet God wants this mystery, not just to be in the clouds, but to be with us and in our hearts and in our consciousness. Let's pray today as we get started. Father, thank you so much for this time to be together. I pray that you help us to be rooted in Jesus. God, help us to throw off everything that distracts and hinders and and gets in our way. God, even today, I pray you get me out of the way so that your word will speak to us and so that we can walk closer with you and be stronger in our faith. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My first point is called the greatest mystery. Let me start reading in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. It says this mystery is that the gospel, that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. That Paul is revealing this mystery that has been hidden. And you can go back and read it. It says that God in in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring all things in unity in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
that that was God's plan all along to help all of us to be united with Christ, to destroy the barrier between peoples, between races, between the Jews and the Gentiles, to bring everyone together that ultimate, the ultimate gift to be forgiven in Christ. This was something that the Jews, even though it was talked about in the Old Testament, it was like there was blinders in, in their way that they couldn't see it. They couldn't quite understand that God didn't want a physical kingdom, that he was talking about the spiritual kingdom for all peoples. If you think about Paul, it says that God put him as a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace. You know, and we got to hear about that last week with Sam talking about us living in the world before we knew Christ, that all of us were going by our own passions, our own desires, that we are going away from Christ and not to make us feel bad, but to appreciate the grace that God has given us. And I believe that's what Paul is talking about here, the greatest mystery to the Gentiles but it also came through this great mystery to himself that he was amazed. If you can imagine him sitting in the cell in Rome, wondering a few things, God, why did you put me here? Why am I here? Why am I in this cell? I'm supposed to be doing your work and I am just here with these guards. They never leave me alone. I'm chained to them at night. Why this time? Why now? And why me? Why did you choose me to bring the gospel to the Gentiles? And Paul was the one that was against the Gentiles, that he, he wouldn't even go near them with them. He wouldn't eat with them. He wouldn't talk to them on the road. He was even against his own people that went against the Jewish law. And yet he was blown away that God had chosen him to bring them the gospel. If you think about your own life, before Christ, he was a mystery, wasn't he? When I think about my life before Christ, I was looking for three things, love, adventure, and purpose. I was looking for relationships. I was looking to connect. I wanted to love and be loved. And yet it just was met with failure after failure because I didn't know how to love. I didn't know what love was. I didn't connect. I didn't know how to connect. I was looking for adventure. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to go for it. Let's have a good time. Let's be crazy. And yet in the end, it wasn't fulfilling. This week, my, my son's going back to, he's going to college for the first time. He's going to Georgia. And, it, you know, we're going to miss him terribly. But it reminded me of the week before I was going to college, just thinking about, God, what am I going to do with my life? Am I just going to be a normal person? Am I just going to survive or am I going to thrive? Am I going to make a difference? Will anyone remember me? Little did I know that those thoughts were really me looking for God. Me looking to find the, this answer in life, this mystery that I couldn't see at the time. Little did I know that it was going to be found just a few, a couple months later in Christ during my freshman year. 
This is the time where we get to reflect on what God's doing in our lives, on where he's taking us. Sometimes God has to stop us in our tracks to get us to think more deeply. Today, as I'm recording this sermon, is the 25th anniversary of the Burlington, Vermont Church. And you may not even know where Burlington, Vermont is, but 25 years ago, Danielle and I were there, not married, not dating, just as singles, leading the church, living our dream, getting to lead a church in God's kingdom, living the adventure that I always wanted to live, filled with purpose, filled with love from God that I was able to, we were able to give to others. What an amazing journey it's been the last 25 years of, of loving and filled with adventures and purpose. You know, for some of you, you've lived your life for God and living out that purpose for many years. And yet before you knew Christ, it was a mystery. Before that grace came into our lives, we were searching, but we didn't know what we were searching for. The mystery to some of you today is that you are searching for God and yet you don't know it. The things that you're pouring yourself into, hoping to find fulfillment and purpose and passion are really the things that God wants to fulfill in your life. And you may be thinking, this is not, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound right. That's where I want you to use your imagination. Think about the times that, that why has God gotten you in this place? Why is he putting you where you are right now? What is the purpose that he has for your life? Why has he put you even watching this video today? I believe that God has a greater purpose in everything that he's doing. Even with the Gentiles, he had this amazing purpose that he had all these festivals and all these events and the Day of Atonement and all these things coming out of Egypt to lead up to this time when he would open the door that they could all be free. God is searching for you right now. That he wants you as a son or daughter of his. That he wants you to be a co-heir with him. He wants you someday to be able to go to heaven. Paul said that he was a servant of this gospel. Of the good news. That although sin is in the world, although all of us sin, although all of us fall short of God, and the consequences of sin are that Jesus had to die on the cross for each of us. But the good news is that God wants to give us a new start and a new life. He wants to give us freedom. He wants to give us confidence. He wants us to share in that glory, that glorious mystery that was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews, but not only for them, but for you and for me. We are watching this series with our teen boys called The Chosen, and it goes through all these interactions with Jesus and, and, and makes the Bible come alive. And there was a story with Mary Magdalene, and she said, I was one way, and then I met Jesus, and then I was different. The only thing that happened is meeting Jesus. He changed my life. I can never forget that time. And that's what I believe God wants to do for each of us. 
either to help us to remember that time that we were changed or help us to be changed again. Why are you in the situation you're in? Some of us, maybe we're struggling with our jobs, with our family, with our school. We're online and we can't stand it with illness, with with challenges in our life. Why does God have us in this situation? He has us there to show us his gift, to show us the mystery of his love, his grace in our lives, that he wants to use you and use me for a greater purpose. Paul was amazed that God used him. And I pray that today you can think about how amazing that is, that God chose you wherever you were, whatever was going on as you were reaching out to him, that he was reaching out to you. And he still is. Can you imagine Saul killing Christians? Imagine him just filled with rage as Stephen was killed. Imagine him riding into Damascus and getting knocked off his horse, walking into the village and praying and realizing that his life was going the wrong direction that he was going 100 miles against God, 100 miles an hour, praying for forgiveness, not able to see, spiritually blind and physically blind. And then one of those Jesus followers named Ananias comes in and gives him the words, God has chosen you to be a witness to all peoples of what you have seen and heard. He has made you a witness to the Gentiles. And immediately he could see, immediately he was baptized, immediately he started his mission with the gratitude, with his eyes open to this mystery that had been hidden his entire life. I believe that God is leading us to something special right now, that he wants us to open up our eyes The reason that Paul was even in this jail to begin with is because God chose him to reach the Gentiles. When you go back and read Acts 22 in Jerusalem, he's sharing a story of how he got in this situation. And he retells his conversion and he tells the Jews that he was sent by God, and they're all excited. And then he says, I was sent by God to the Gentiles. And from that point on, they started chanting, he's not fit to live. And that is what ended him up in this jail, that he was simply living out God's purpose for his life. You know, some of us, we don't want to change. We've been doing things the same way for so long, and we can be like those old Jews with those old wineskins that we want to relive the past, but we don't want to look what to see what God is doing for the future. I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. I don't want to be the one that holds on to our tradition. I want to be one that continues with gratitude, that continues to be used by God, that continues to open up my heart to what he's doing in our day. 
to this great mystery that he's shown to each of us. Point number two is the greatest purpose. In Ephesians 3, 7, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was now that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Point number two is the greatest purpose. Jesus had the greatest purpose in history to save the world and to save you and to save me. And he's given us that same purpose. Even Paul, while he's in that jail, his purpose, his mission in this life is to share the love with others, is to help people to see God. He says that I am the least of all the Lord's people. That I am nothing without God. That he picked me up from the pit. That I was going the wrong way. See, the more we understand God's grace, the more his power and his and gratitude and his love comes into our lives. I pray that we can understand how much God has forgiven us from and look at our past and be so grateful for God's love for all of us. Somebody used the analogy as Paul was trying to understand God's grace. He took a boat out into a lake and the lake was God's grace. And he's trying to figure out and understand how big it is. And he realizes it's a huge ocean. That God's love for us is so far beyond even our understanding. That we think it's so big, but it's so much more. His love for this world, we think it's so big, but it's so much more. And I pray that we can all say to ourselves that I am the least of all of the Lord's people, except for God's grace that was given to me. That his riches, they're boundless You can imagine just the boundless riches of Christ. I love this part where he says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And that verse caused me pause and I had to stop and think about it. So through the church, God's wisdom would be made known to the rulers and authorities on this earth. And Paul was going to share with Caesar, and that was what was going to happen. No, that's not what it says. It says that God's wisdom would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is where we get to use our imagination our spiritual mind, 
that God's love and his, his grace and his church was going to make known this beautiful wisdom to the angels, to the heavenly beings, to those that are considered, as it says in Hebrews 12, 1, the, the, the great cloud of witnesses, that the angels are watching this unfold. Someone used the analogy of God's great play and the, play, the theater of the glory of God. And God is the writer and the director that we are the actors and the angels and the authorities and rulers in the heavenly realms are the spectators of this amazing love, this amazing wisdom, this amazing gift that God is given to each one of us. Think about that for a minute. That there's a heavenly realm that's right there and we can't see it. There's times in the Bible when God opened up their eyes to see these heavenly realms. And in 2 Kings 6, 17, Elijah at Dotham, it says, he prays to open up the eyes of his servant. And it says that they saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire, that they were all around Elisha. And even now there's, there's spiritual angels around us. There's power, God's power, God's chariots are near us. I know we're getting into the spiritual realm here. Some people believe that it, it's not up in heaven, that it's actually right here around us, that it's almost like another dimension that we can't see. And so all God had to do is just open up his eyes and all of a sudden he could see the reality of the spiritual realm. I pray that even now that you can imagine, you can consider the spiritual realm that we're in, that God and his love and his protection is all around us and that can help us to be bold and be secure and be spiritual and make spiritual decisions if I know the battle that I'm in. I know that God is with us. God's grace is greater than anything we can ever explain or imagine. We did a series on grace a while back, and I love the, the quote that even on our worst day, that we are in no more favor with God than we are on our best day. Think about that for a minute. Even on your worst day spiritually, you are in the same, if you're in Christ, you're in the same position with him as you are on your very best spiritual day. On the day when everything goes right and you have all the good news to share. See, in my heart, that's a big one. That's hard to grasp. That's hard to understand that God's grace because of our faith and our relationship with him covers over our sins. And this is an amazing mystery. And it says here that that is Christ's eternal purpose was to help us to have that and to be able to make it to heaven and the heavenly realms. Do you believe that? Do you believe that 
The goal of your faith is heaven, that you're headed in that direction, that God is at a, through some of his parables, he even says that these angels are going to take us there. And I pray that as you consider that, that it motivates you to appreciate the grace that God has given each of us to marvel at his wisdom, to marvel at his love, to marvel at this great purpose. But not only that, but it will help you to be with him in his purpose. You know, it's so easy nowadays to get stuck in doing whatever it is that we're doing and forget that God is still working. People are searching for him even more now, and they, they're, they're, they're praying. They're looking for him. God needs us to be about his purpose even now. It would have been easy for Paul to get introspective and just think about himself while he was in jail, but he was thinking about others. And even now, we can do the same thing, just get into how are we feeling and how am I doing and really miss the eternal purpose that God has given us through Christ that we get to share with others, that we get to help other people to put on their spiritual selves, to imagine their lives changing direction, to imagine themselves going to heaven someday, to imagine this accomplished in Christ at the cross, coming into their own lives personally. Point number three, the greatest approach. In verse 12, it says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. It's obvious there that Paul, in asking himself, why am I here? What am I doing? He's saying, I am here for them. I am here for your glory. But even more than that, I believe that it may be during this time when he's in jail that he finally is getting in touch with the freedom and confidence that he has in Christ. Sometimes we get so busy doing so many things that we don't think about our walk with God. We're not secure. We're not confident. And yet it was a journey for Paul to get to this place, to understand grace, to understand that confidence before God, to understand that we get to approach him, not with fear, not with trepidation, not with shame, but with confidence, not because of us, but because of Christ. Because of our faith in him, we can be confident in approaching God. And if this word freedom here is parisia, which means freedom in speaking, unreserved speech, and having nothing concealed, nothing hidden. It's that freedom that we can go before God, that we can speak freely, that he knows everything, that he created us, that he forgiven us, that he loves us. There's that confidence and freedom that we are searching for in our lives. That's the mystery of peace, is finding peace through Jesus 
He says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. That the church there was getting discouraged. They were getting down because of the the sufferings of Paul. You know, I believe that even now, some of us, we're getting discouraged. We're getting down. We're getting, we're here, we're watching too much news. We're hearing too much bad news. We're focusing on worldly things. We're not using our spiritual mind to see why am I here? Why is God doing this? Why now? What is he doing? Because I believe that God is doing something amazing in your life and in mine. Yes, it's difficult, but it's glorious. I pray that even now that you can approach Jesus with freedom and approach him with confidence. You know, recently in the desert, we've had a couple, two couples get engaged. And it's amazing to think about all the effort and planning that we put into these, this major event, this awesome time. What a joyful event during these days. And to know that Xavier Torres and Erica Iniguez, they went to L.A. somewhere on the beach, thinking that whole time that Cole and his friend Taylor were going to start dating. But they didn't know that Cole and Taylor started dating the day before, but just didn't tell them. And so they threw them totally off. And she was so surprised. And last week we got to see the pictures of him down on his knee. What an approach. What a plan. What 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 a surprise. You know, Amory and Jessica... They went on a date and she was giving a tour of San Diego to someone else. So they were all there and she was taking them all around and they ended up at the place where they went on their first date. And he had it all set up there and totally surprised her. What an approach. He figured it out. He prayed about it. He made it special. They both did. And it was a glorious time. Ever think about God's approach? They had the perfect plan for the Gentiles. That he brought it to fruition, that he brought Jesus, that he led him through his life. And it was glorious. For each one of us, he revealed himself in a perfect way. And maybe he's even doing that now that he's answering our prayers, that he's convincing us, yes, the spiritual world is real, that heaven is real, I want to go there, that he wants us to be able to approach him with freedom, with confidence, with forgiveness, with, with love, with grace, with encouragement, with hearts that are full. And I believe that is the destiny of all of our lives. That's why we're here today. To be able to celebrate that gift that God has given us, to be able to celebrate someday when we get to approach the throne of God. Someday when books are open, when our names are read because we've we've been found in Christ, 
when we get to see the holy city and we get to meet Jesus face to face. When Jesus was in the garden, as we take communion, he asked himself those same questions. Why me? Why do I have to go to this cross? And why is it coming so soon? And he agonized and he prayed and he suffered. And he finally saw the spiritual mystery that he was going to bring to perfection the perfect will of God that he was going to accomplish and bring about this mystery, this love, this grace. And I pray that as we take communion today, that we can answer those questions, that we can approach Jesus with freedom, with confidence, that we can think about the mystery that God has revealed to us, that we can think about the purpose that we have in his church that is getting revealed in the heavenly realms. And we could think about God's approach to all of us and how he wants to share his love through the cross. He's demonstrating that. And ultimately, we get to approach him with freedom and confidence. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this time to be able to pray to you. God, I pray that you can open up our hearts today, that we can see your spiritual world, that we can understand the love and the unity and the mystery of your church, that we can participate even now in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. As we remember his suffering, as we remember his love, as we remember your son and what he did for us. God, thank you for his body broken for us. Thank you for the love that he gave to us and the blood that he shed for us. God, please change us. Please help us even now to think about you, to think about your eternal purpose, to think about your grace. God, to know for certainty of why you chose us, of why you put us where we are. God, use us. At this time, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.